friend, I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast season three. This season, we're taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their story, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. For the first 90 days of this season, you are also can also listen to a second weekly episode. We are discussing the Book of Mormon. If you aren't aware of the Book of Mormon study group, check out the show notes or my website, todayiamenough.com, and you can sign up. We are reading the Book of Mormon from January 1st to March 31st. Each week, I will share my thoughts on the weekly reading and what I took away from it. Welcome. I'm so excited you're here. We are talking about John two through four, and I'm always so excited when we have a woman in our study. <laughs> this first few chapters have been a little sparse. It's mostly been Mary and the next couple of chapters, there's not very many, but then we get into sometimes having like five or six in our reading. So it's going to get really a lot more heavy into various women that are in the scripture. So I'm excited and I'm excited to dive in. So we start this week by talking about Mary again. And I love it because we know that Jesus is probably around 30 because he's going to be beginning his ministry. And so Mary is older and Jesus is older. Joseph is not in the story, which I think um, a lot of times we assume that maybe he's passed away by now, which we don't know for sure, but it would be something that he, it seems like he would probably have been at this feast as well. So Jesus and Mary are at this wedding feast. And as you may know, traditionally, the best wine was served first while everyone could enjoy it and was sober. And as the night wore on and people were not as aware, the wine quality slipped. So Mary tells Jesus there's no wine. And he says in verse four, of chapter two, Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. He's like, I'm, my ministry isn't happening yet. What, what are you trying to say to me? And I am so excited sometime to find out how clearly Mary knew things or, or if she, if Jesus had performed things, any sort of miracles before at home, or if she just knew of what was coming um, to some extent, but, but she knew, she knew something, right? She knew of his divinity. And so he, he's like, mom, what am I supposed to do? I, I can't really do anything. And then verse five, his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I think that little verse <laughs> taken out of context could be so good for all of us. Whatever he asks, do it. We are going to learn from him no matter what. And we're going to see miracles if we are willing to do the things that he asks. So in there were six water pots that we find out about. And most of the time, these water pots were used for purification purposes. So like if someone came in, uh, they would wash their feet with them or other other things like that, right? And so these were purification pots. They were made of stone. They were very sacredly used. They weren't used for just drinking water. And so to have them filled and not just filled, but filled to the brim is what it says in verse seven with water. And then he tells the servants to fill the vessels and 
to serve. And so this is what verse 9 through 11 says. When the ruler of that feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when the men have well drunk, then that which is wor- is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles to Jesus of Canaan of Galilee, Galilee and manifested forth his glory and disciples believed on him. I love that in verse 10, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. So not only did Jesus make this water into wine, but he made it into really delicious wine. And I love the first part of verse 11. This is the beginning of miracles. This is the beginning of Jesus and so much of what he's going to teach us and the things that he's going to do. So Mary asks him to help. He doesn't know exactly what to do. And he even asks, what have I to do with thee? What do you want me to do, mother? When are, what are you asking or expecting of Jesus in your life? What are you hoping he'll do? What are we expecting of him? And then next he uses these water and the pots and that are used for purification, which is an incredible symbol of him and his mission and the ability to purify, to be a perfect person and then perform miracles of resurrection and the atonement, right? And he is pure. So he takes this water and he makes it into the best wine. And he can't, he can't even believe it's such good wine. And he gives it to the ruler. And at the end of the feast, when the wine has run out, when people don't usually get the good wine. So how often in your life have you ever felt worn out or ready to give up or gone? Like just, you're just done. Just, you know, kids are overwhelming. Life is overwhelming. And you just like, just need a break from all the chaos. But then Jesus. But Jesus, he shows up, shows up in your life in a small and simple way. But it feels like a miracle. Do you want to know why? Because it is. Because he's a miracle. And when someone sends you a text and just says, I'm just thinking about you today. At the very moment when you really desperately needed that text message, that's the same as getting just a little tap on the shoulder from Jesus saying, I'm here. I recognize your efforts. And sometimes we don't feel that. Sometimes it just feels like he keeps leaving us alone. But I think it's in those moments when we kneel down and pray at night. And when we keep reading our scriptures and we keep on doing those things, we know we need to, but that can be the miracle too. Showing up sometimes is a miracle. And the thing about this water to wine is that Jesus will always show up in a better way than we can even imagine. He gave the best wine at the end of the feast. What is he going to do for you? He will make your water moments in life turn into the best wine that we can actually not imagine. Because sometimes his plan is so much better than we can imagine. Often, I think the way to that 
is really difficult and it doesn't make sense. But he will always make our lives better than we can or could when we are willing to turn our lives over to him and start living for him and doing those things he has asked us to do. And I think that lesson just translates through John 3, which we are not going to talk about. It's an incredible story with Nicodemus, but we are going to talk about John 4. And I love the handful of stories about women who are unnamed in the scriptures. And that might sound strange, but I love that these women allow us to put ourselves more into the story in a different way than those who are named. I think because they don't have a name and I am so thrilled. Don't get me wrong. I'm so thrilled to meet these women and to just hug them and ask them what their name is and talk to them about their experiences with the savior that they get to have in such a personal face-to-face way and the faith that they had in him as Let's get started in the story. So I think as most of us are aware, the Jews and the Samaritans were not on friendly terms at all, like in any way. If a Samaritan had ever touched food or water, the Jews considered it unclean. So they did not associate in any capacity. They did not like each other. And so this is one of the reasons that the woman is so surprised that Jesus is talking to her, let alone asking her for water. In verse seven of chapter four, there came, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, give me to drink for his disciples went to go have some food. And then said the woman, how is it that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Okay. So she even says it like, what are you doing? Jesus answered and said, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is, that say it to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So they're they're having this conversation, right? Like he he's giving her a small hint. If you if you even knew who was asking you this, then you would know that you want the living water. And I love this progression that we're going to see in her. She says, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. So she's, she's not really catching on obviously. Um, And she, then she's like, are you greater than this? Well, this Jacob, Jacob's well is what it's called. And Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So then the woman says to him again in verse 15, Sir, give me give me this water that I thirst not, neither come thither to draw. So she's like, this sounds really fantastic. And she's like, I need you to give this to me. So then he says, go, call thy husband and come thither, hither. And the woman answers said, I have no husband. And then Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband, that sayest thou truly. Then the woman says, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. 
So he says, bring your husband and I can talk to you. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He was like, well, you've actually had five. And the man that you're with right now is not your husband either. And that's when it things change for her. I perceive thou art a prophet. So she's gone from sir to, well, she called him a Jew, thou being a Jew, right? So there was Jew and then sir, and now she's just called him a prophet. And then he says in verse 21, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship ye not knowing what. You know what you worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worship worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh to worship in him. And then the JST in 24 says, For unto such hath God promised his spirit, and they who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Then that resonates with the woman. And she says, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So she believes in Christ. She believes that he's coming. So then in verse 26, Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. Elder Holland, in his book, Our Day Star Rising, so eloquently and beautifully says, he, he met the student where she was in order to take her where she needed to go. The woman knew the well. She knew of Christ's coming. And when they had talked enough, Jesus kept meeting her where she was, teaching her about living water. And then he knew something about her personal life that she probably didn't necessarily like other people knowing. And then when he testified of the father, she knew about Christ. And he revealed that he was that Christ. And he takes what she understands and he teaches those things to her. Other Holland also says in this book, Our Day Star Rising, on page 124. Sorry, I'm just going to find it. He says, and these were not merely parables in the allegory sense of multiple applications of a single saying. They were in every case an invitation to lift up your eyes, to see heavenly things, specifically to see and understand him but they are also repeated manifestations of his willingness to meet people on their own terms, however limited that understanding, and there lead them to on a higher ground. Ultimately, if they would, it would lead them beyond time and space altogether into eternity. He will meet all of us where we are. He does this with the apostles as they come back and ask him if he's had any food. And he tells them that he had meat, but he's talking about this conversation with this woman and the meat of the gospel and the living water of uh, the atonement and of, of the life of Christ and taking those spiritually being fed. And 
sometimes we don't understand the scriptures and we don't understand the things that, that we're being asked to do. But he meets us where we are along this path of life, along our covenant path in various journeys that we're on. He knows us so individually and will allow us to become closer to him in a variety of ways. And those are going to differ in specifics from one person to the next and one experience to the next. And year to year, it's going to continue to be different for all of us. But he will always come to us. He is always reaching towards us. No matter where we are, he will always love us because he will always meet us where we are. We just have to allow him to take us to the next step. And sometimes that's going to be scary. And sometimes that's going to be difficult. And sometimes it's not going to make sense. And sometimes it will be easy. But when we have faith and trust in the things that we know are true or the things we want to believe are true, then we can go forward. Just like the woman. I love what the woman does next. She goes and she tells, come see a man which told me these things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went to the city and came unto him. And verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the sayings of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. So they came to listen to Christ because of the woman. They believed the woman and so they wanted to, to learn. And many believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy sayings, for we had heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Because Jesus met her where she was and helped her understand and see who he was and that progression of her understanding from Jew to Sir to prophet to Christ. She went and testified. She became a missionary. And then these people wanted to listen because they believed her and then they believed Christ. Allow the Savior to meet you where you are and take you on a journey, journey that you would not otherwise be able to go on. He loves you and he is waiting for you. Thanks for listening.